This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. So we're talking about worship these days, and uh, what we just experienced was uh, Tehillah worship. Say that word with me, Tehillah, Tehillah, Tehillah worship. Soren Kierkegaard was a philosopher and a theologian, and he said that when it comes to worship, most of us have got it all wrong. We think that the people up here are the worshipers or the performers, and we out here are the audience, and we're here to watch them or we're here to applaud them. Not, not true. No, we up here, and what Sean was doing just a while ago on that new song, that second song, what was he doing? He was cueing us. He was pulling us in. He was teaching us words. He was teaching us music. He was engaging us. He was cueing us to perform, to be the worshipers. And so all of us up here, musicians, pastors, we're here not to perform, We're here to kind of cue you, if you will, kind of backstage, and you're the performers. You're the ones that's acting out worship. The congregation worships. So if you're the the worshipers, who's the audience? Who's the audience? Not a trick question. Who's the audience? God. God is the audience. God is the only one that we are trying to please. He's the only one that we hope is blessed. And God is kind of watching us. And I'm excited about this series of messages on worship because it's all about how we learn better to express our worship to God. And so this morning, what I'm going to do, I'm going to teach you three different words about worship and talk about three different worship experiences that Mark McNally and Jake Hotchkiss and I had down in Houston. Uh, Jake and, and Mark and I went down to Houston, visited three different congregations because we wanted to learn. We wanted to learn more uh, from another place, another setting. If you're in a business or a company, you'd probably like to go somewhere and learn on site. We as a staff, we are, we are not just asking our staff, we are demanding of our staff to go to on-site visits somewhere to learn from others. And so we went down to Houston. I posted this picture of Mark and Jake, and when I did that on Facebook, someone posted back, what are you doing with muscles, beards, and ink? Well, when I was down there, because Jake and Mark, Mark's the pastor of church in the center, and Jake is a young preacher, up-and-comer, he preaches once a month there. Uh, they're trying to look edgier, and you know, uh, and they do a pretty good job of it. And so they were, they were encouraging me to get a tattoo. They were really lobbying hard for me to get a tattoo when I was down in Houston. And so I thought I'd call headquarters. I called my wife, Susan, and I said, Honey, I uh, thought I'd try this out. I got a tat. She said, You got a cat? I said, no, I, I got a tat. I, I got a tattoo. You better not have gotten a tattoo. She said, when you get home, I'm going to look you over from head to foot. Well, that's some of the most encouraging news I've heard in years. <laughs> so we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about worship. And 
Jake and Mark, when we went to different places, we went to three different churches. We went to, on, uh, on Saturday night, Mercy Street. And the people there, we'll talk about that a little bit later, Mercy Street, the people looked a lot more like Mark or Jake than me. Uh, only uh, they live more, out, more on the edges, on the parameters of life. And then we went to a contemplative service. We went to a service in a high steeple church. And people in that church service, they, they looked a lot more like me than they did Mark or Jake. And then we went downtown Houston. We went down to St. John Church, an African-American church where, I mean, nobody looked like us or we didn't look like anybody there. And yet the Holy Spirit was present in all those three places. And as I thought about that experience, I, I thought about three biblical words, three primary ways in which worship is described in Scripture. And I want to walk us through that experience today. And the first word is Tehillah. And uh, the Scripture that demonstrates this is Psalm 47. Uh, let's look at the words of Scripture from Psalm 47 together. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared, a great ruler over all the earth, who subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet, who chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob whom God loves. God has gone up with a shout the Lord with the sound of a trumpet, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our rulers, sing praises, for God is the ruler of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on His holy throne. The princes of the people gathers the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God who is highly exalted. So in this psalm, you, you find the word tehillah. Tehillah, which refers to shouting or clapping or dancing. It's this idea that when we are entering into the praise of God, we are expressive. We are animated. We, we, we let it go. And, and that is a, a primary way of worship. Now, when I was down in Houston, pastors Jason and Jim led a, an example of that. Let's watch this video that was that Schweitzer's Got Talent. And there they go. They were moving. They were making us make, going through some moves there. And Bring it together. Here we go. I just want you to know I had no prior knowledge that this was going on. Let it go. And so there they go, with the movement of Tehillah worship. One of my personal favorites. All right, here we go. Resurrection. Gotta get down. Pick me up. But they're expressive. They're letting something out. When we went down to St. John's Church in downtown Houston, we were caught up in a sense of Tehillah worship. 
they had a primary vocal, male vocalist, they had a primary female vocalist, they had about six vocalists behind them, and they had a band behind them in this downtown place in Houston, and this place was just rocking. It, it was full. And they sang about 20 minutes of Macmillan's song, Oh, How He Loves Us. And you never got tired of it. It just kept going and, and going and finding different expressions and ways of singing the lyrics and sing, singing the words to God. And after an hour of worship, the sermon started. They really had a sense of, of worship. And so Tehillah worship is this idea that we get kind of caught up in the presence of God. And we're not afraid or ashamed to move or to find expression. So one of the things I want to encourage you to do, no matter how you're personally wired or what your personality's like, not to be fake, but folks, uh, if we're going to worship God, you're going to have to sing, or you're going to have to shout, or you're going to have to clap, or you're going to have to dance. One of those four things, at least. That is a bare minimum expectation. I think God expects us to worship. I think God wants that, desires that. So Tehillah worship is when we, we just kind of get lost in the presence. And we cannot just be still. All right? Everybody all right with that? Okay. Hope so. That's what we want in, to encourage us to do. The Scripture says, Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Be being filled with the Spirit. So if we have more tequila worship, we would probably require less of tequila Because if you've got Tehillah, if you've got the real thing, you don't have to glamorize that other stuff. You know, we live in a culture where we glamorize just about everything. Except the worship of God. And I'm calling you out on it. I'm calling you out on it. I think it's time. That we weren't afraid to worship our God and to engage in a little bit of tehillah around here. Now, there's a second word that we want to teach you today, and that's tada. Would you say that word with me? Tada. It's the attitude of thanking God regardless of what's going on in our life, it's the idea of a sacrifice of praise. And in the Bible, when, when people were bringing forth their sacrifice of praise, they would raise their right hand. So uh, raise your right hand with me. When you raise your right hand in a court of law, you might be asked to make an oath. Take an oath. 
if you're in a committee meeting or business session of some sort and you're voting, uh, let's see the those who are in agreement, let's see the show of hands. And so we raise our right hand. Raising our right hand in a sacrifice of praise is saying to God, I'm in agreement with you. God, I want to line up my life and my purposes with what you are about. Ta-da! I'm offering you my sacrifice of praise. And it may not be easy. The idea of sacrifice does involve cost to it. Jesus sacrifices his life as a sacrifice of praise. Grace is not something that's cheap. It is costly. Now, it's free to us, but it costs something. It costs Christ everything. And you and I, in response to God, we're called to offer sacrifices of praise even when it, it's hard. Now, last week we talked about when worship is hard. We looked at this guy named Habakkuk. And today we're going to look just briefly at this other guy who was a contemporary of Habakkuk's, Jeremiah. They both lived about 600 years before Jesus arrives. And Jeremiah, before and after Jerusalem is burned to the ground in 586, Jeremiah prophesies, and he says this is going to happen. And then after the fact, I mean after the towns of Judah are leveled, What Jeremiah does in a very hard time, he offers to God a sacrifice of praise. Let's watch and read these words. So this is from the message, Jeremiah. Yes, God, you're going to look at this place, this empty and desolate towns of Judah and streets of Jerusalem and say, a wasteland, unlivable, not even a dog could live here. But the time is coming. I love that phrase, you see. It's a desolate time, it's an empty time, it's fruitless. But the time is coming, Jeremiah says. The time is coming when you're going to hear laughter and celebration, marriage festivities, people exclaiming, thank God of the angel armies, he's so good, his love never quits. As they bring thank offerings into God's temple, I'll restore everything that was lost in this land. I'll make everything as good as new. I, God, say so. So what's going on here? God is speaking through Jeremiah. You know, sometimes in worship or in our praying, it's not that you and I are speaking words to God. It's that God is speaking to us and through us. So a sacrifice of praise, ta-da worship, is celebrating the milestones in our life, maybe celebrating some blessings that we typically take for granted, but it's also speaking forth a new reality of hope in in an empty, difficult time in our life. It's so important, friends, that when you don't feel like it, to offer God your sacrifice of praise. Now, at Mercy Street, this was the church we visited. This is a church that's within a church, kind of like church at the center, is within Schweitzer, and we sponsor and we bless and we support that church. Mercy Street is, is supported by a, a high steeple church, Woods Chapel. And at Mercy Street, people there look a whole lot more like Mark and Jake than me. They, they are people that really are struggling with so many things in life. Uh, 
addictions. But, but they celebrate milestones. They're overcomers. And every Sunday or every Saturday night when they gather, they, they have two lines of people. They have, they have two lines of people that line up and they offer to God their sacrifice of praise. And so this morning, what I want to invite you to do uh, is to consider coming up and doing that right now. So Pastor Jason is going to join me, and uh, we're going to offer a sacrifice of praise to God. A sacrifice of praise may be celebrating a milestone in your life, or it may be speaking forth a positive word that God has in a difficult time in your life. So a final word that I want to share with you this morning is the word Barak, Barak worship. Say that word with me, Barak, Barak. Barak means to bow down. It means to have a sense of reverence, a silence, an act of adoration where we get still in our hearts. There's a sense of awe in Barak worship. There was a man that was praying in his room and he, uh, he heard God say, get down. So the man got down on his knees before God. And, but he kept hearing God say, no, I want you to, to get down. And so he got down prostrate, faced in the floor. And he kept hearing God say, no, I, I want you to get down. And the man said, God, I can't get down any more than I am right now. And God said, I want you to get down in your heart. You ever get down in your heart? You ever have this sense that comes over you that you're in the presence of God. You're in the presence of the Almighty. You're in the presence of the creator of heaven and earth you're in the presence of the sacrificial lamb of Jesus Christ who will bear the mark for eternity of the sacrifice that he offered for us all you ever sense that you're in the presence of the spirit and the spirit is calling you to stillness to get down to have a sense of reverence to delight and to enjoy being in the presence of God. I never understood these grandparents carrying on about their grandsons or granddaughters until I became a grandfather. And um, Oren Jason Cutler is uh, the affection and the adoration of my spirit and my heart. There is something about him that just brings me to a place of, of adoration and fun and, and being like a child. Every Thursday afternoon, I, I take him for a walk. I take him on a stroll ride. And uh, last Thursday, I took him for a, an hour ride. And then I would take him farther because he falls asleep. But I'm just worn out. And so we pull up in the porch and, and we just sit there. And I wait for him to wake up. And he opens up his eyes and he looks around. And there's a sense of who's, who, whose presence am I, am I in. And for 30 to 45 minutes last Thursday, we had the most priceless time of just 
looking at each other and grinning at each other and playing uh, peekaboo with each other and to, to look into each other's eyes or to do a head bump with each other or sometimes just to talk gibberish toward each other and just delighting in His presence. There's nothing productive about it. But it produces a cleansing in my soul and in my spirit. And that's, that's the way it can be in our worship of God. When was the last time you just delighted to be in His presence? Maybe you don't know a God like that, and I'm not knocking you, and I'm not, because we live in a culture that doesn't help that to happen. I understand that. But we want to be about the business, church, of helping us all to get to know a God like that. To be in His presence. There was a man that was made a list of the good stuff in life. The goods, you know. When you have the goods. And he was making the list of the good stuff. And he had some good stuff on there. He listed things like uh, beauty and love and health. And he listed wealth and talent and power and fame. And he put all this stuff together. He was real proud of himself. And he took it to his spiritual advisor. And he said, this is, here's what I think. If you have these things in your life, these goods, life's going to be good. And his advisor kind of smiled at him and said, well, you know, you've got some good things listed here. But he said, uh, you've left out the most important thing. Well, what did I leave out? Peace of mind. Peace of mind. Because if you have peace of mind, you have all this other stuff. And you don't have peace of mind, you got nothing. And so, Barak worship is, is experiencing the peace of God. And when you have that peace, that passes all understanding, that guards your heart and your mind. You got it all. You're in the presence of the one who is all. Now the church that we went to that demonstrated this sense of silence, Barak worship the most was Chapel Woods United Methodist Church, which is a you might call it a real high-brow church. It's a high-steeple church. There's a lot of wealth in the room. And so Mark and Jake and I went to that contemplative service. And in that service, uh, there's, there's a little bit of Scripture and there's a homily that's given and there's some brief words spoken. But there's also silence. There's meditation. There's just a stillness. You're still in the presence of God. So in our last act of worship today, before we go into our final closing song, I want to invite you to join me in five minutes of stillness. No music, nothing spoken. So where you are in your pews, just to be still, just to bow down before God in your heart. You may want to get down on your knees or come up with a prayer rail, but the idea is just to be still and to listen and to adore God, to Barak God. And if you weren't here last week and you'd like to write a prayer that's going to be a part of our prayer wall that's building there, 
Uh, there are blocks of wood that's here. You can write on the rough side of that wood. There's Sharpies here in the front pew. And you can do that during this time of stillness. But let's just be still. The Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before Him.